Well, good morning. Good morning. I uh, first want to bring you greetings from uh, Bishop Neil Labar of the Gulf Atlantic Diocese, who I'm honored to work for part-time as the canon for congregational health, which is basically church growth and development. Uh, and we're excited about just Grace Church and the relationship with the diocese and wherever that leads, but um, we just think very highly of Grace Church. At any rate, also bring you greetings from the American Anglican Council, which as, as Gus just said, I started working full-time for this past week um, as their director of church revitalization and coaching, which is basically my job description is to work with the roughly thousand Anglican churches across, our, across North America, trying to help as many of them uh, better fulfill the Great Commission. Because the, the, here's the reality, we have about a thousand Anglican churches in North America. 800 of them have 100 people or less on an average Sunday attendance. Most of those are, are aging and declining in attendance. And so there's just a lot of churches that if something's not done uh, to, to better, as you all have been talking about all summer, live out the mission of God, there's a lot of church Anglican churches that are gonna have to close the doors. And so I've committed the rest of my life to working with as many churches as possible to see this theme of living the mission of God happen in the Anglican churches across our nation. I think God hasn't given up on the Anglican church and has good plans for it. We just, some, some work has to be done. So at any rate, I'm, I'm really gr grateful to be here with you all this morning for a couple of reasons. One is that um, I, as Gus said, last Sunday uh, was my last Sunday at Christ Church after 14 years as the senior pastor. And so it's just nice to have somewhere to be this morning. <laughs> to wake up instead of going, oh no, I'm not going to Christ Church. And so to have a purpose is, uh, is helpful to me, so thank you. But also, I'm so excited, about, I'm thankful for this mission, this series you're on of Sent, Living the Mission of God, because as I just said, that's my passion, that's my heart, and that's what I'm dedicated to spending the rest of my life uh, focused on. So, so I'm excited about the topic today, and let's get right into it. The title I was given for the sermon to preach on was Guarding Against Wolves guarding against wolves, and that comes from the, the text that was uh, assigned for today, which is Acts 20, 28 to 32, which you just heard read. So when I first, if you're like me and you hear that theme or that title, guarding against wolves, you might like think as I did, okay, guarding against wolves. Well, the church is the flock, right? Where the, Jesus often talked about the church being the flock or the sheep. And so if we're the flock, we're uh, immediately thought, okay, well, we're the sheep inside the gate and inside the fence. And so to guard against wolves, wolves are bad out there somewhere, sheep good inside, wolves bad outside. So if you're going to guard against the wolves, we need like sort of sheep soldiers or something, sort of sheep that are positioned and given uh, battle equipment and are step up along the wall or the fence of the, of the sheep fold of the, of the gate of the fence and then look outside to keep those wolves from getting inside. That makes sense if you first think about it. But as I looked at the text, and as, as, we, as we look at the text here together, that's not at all what the, the word says. In fact, it says something quite different. So let's look at this real quick. This is, and Paul is talking to the leaders of the church of Ephesus. He's uh, addressing them. He's the last time he's going to see them. They're, he's on his way to Jerusalem where he knows it's going to go bad. And so he says, I I'm not going to see you all again. And so this is his parting words to them. These are important things he wants them to hear. And he said, among other things, this. Uh, he says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some from among your own group 
will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. You see what that said there? First of all, the word will is important. He says, vicious wolves will come in. It's not like, well, they, they might come in. If you, if, as long as you guard well enough, it won't happen. He said, no, they w- this is going to happen. This will happen. You will have wolves to deal with. And these wolves, these vicious wolves, will come in among you. It's going to be inside the church that these vicious wolves are going to be where you'll have to guard against them. And he says, and even... To, to make matters worse, he said, even some from among your own group will rise up and become these vicious wolves within you uh, to distort the truth. So in, among you, from your own, these wolf, the picture here is these wolves will be within the church to have to be dealt with and to look for and, and, uh, and to be addressed. Not outside somewhere. And so, so again, we, we think that might seem strange. Well, wolves inside the church, wolves are bad, there should be outside. But that's not what it says. And we shouldn't probably be too surprised by that because of what we heard Jesus in his own words say in the gospel today. In his own words, Jesus uh, was describing the same problem. And he said in Matthew 7, 15 to 16, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by your fruits. So again, Jesus is describing this, there's this wolves are going to be inside the flock, inside the church, uh, but you're not going to be able to easily recognize them. They're going to be disguised in sheep's clothing. So what he's saying is that these wolves are going to look like sheep, smell like sheep, sound like sheep. In every way, these wolves are going to seem like sheep. So you can't just look at them and know, wolves, danger, trouble. The only way Jesus describes here is the only way you can recognize a wolf inside the church is by the fruit, by what comes from the behaviors or actions of, of the wolf. So basically, in every way, like I said, these sheep, these wolves are going to look like, smell like, seem like sheep. And in other words, in the, the, the issue we're talking about today, this living the mission of God being sent, and so if we're thinking about that, the wolves that are against or distorting uh, the idea of mission, it's gonna, these wolves are going to look Christian, sound Christian, smell like Christians. They're going to, in every way, outwardly appear to be Christian. So you're not going to know if it's a wolf or not, except by the fruit, so is, is this, whatever this is, is there actually any fruit happening? Is anybody actually coming to know Jesus as their Savior and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ and being transformed? If, if, if it's in every other way looks like Christian, but there's nobody actually coming into the kingdom of God, there's no one actually becoming saved, there's no people in the kingdom of darkness coming into God's kingdom, the kingdom of light, then it's a wolf because there's no fruit. It's only by the fruit so you know them. So it's within the church, you gotta really pay attention against uh, this, against them coming against, distorting the mission of God to the lost. So what do you do? Okay, well, there's these wolves in the church. This is troubling. You know, it's easier to think of us good, wolves out there bad, no problem. But wolves in the church, what do you do about that? Well, I'm always excited when the, when the scripture itself, the text actually gives you the application. You don't have to think too hard about it. The application's right here. Paul saying, this is gonna happen. You're gonna have to deal with these wolves. And he says, so what do you do? Verse 31, he says, so be on your guard. Pretty easy, okay, great. That's what we should do. <laughs> the application is to be on your guard against these vicious wolves 
within the church. Which is, so, so we know to do that, and which is hence the title that I was given today, Guarding Against Wolves. So that's what I want to talk about. How do we do that? How do we, how do we guard against wolves? And so this is happening. What do we do? And how do we do that? Well, I can think of so many wolves within the church that, that distort or hinder the mission of God and living the mission and expanding God's kingdom into the world around us. Uh, but for time's sake, I just want to touch on two wolves that I want to suggest that as, as a church we guard against. And again, I don't know uh, Grace Church. I've only been, this is the second time I've ever been here, uh, and second time preaching. And the first time was back when you were in the high school. So I don't really know what, how you all are and how you operate, but I do know churches. I know Anglican churches. And so some of what I say may be helpful to you. So I encourage you to take what's applicable and, and apply it. And what doesn't fit, just you can feel free to reject it. Uh, so, so here are two wolves to guard against the, uh, the fulfilling the mission of God. And, and again, I want to be clear that these aren't people. I don't want to say these are people that you need to look out for. Watch out for this people or this people. It's not the people. What I want to suggest these wolves are attitudes or ways of doing church or Christianity that distort the mission of God. So let's look at these two. The first wolf to guard against is having the church and in the church acting like a club instead of a church. Guard against acting like a club instead of acting like a church. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, I want to be clear that clubs, I'm not against clubs. Clubs aren't bad things. In fact, I'm for clubs. Clubs are good things. Uh, clubs, though, are designed to be for members only. Clubs are by definition designed to be a group of people who choose to come together and you have to meet certain criteria in order to be in the club and the club has to approve whether you're in or out of the club. And if you're approved and you fit the parameters and agree to follow those particular rules, then you're allowed in and it's for the members. In fact, I'm for clubs. I'm a part of a rotary club that meets at a yacht club. I mean, you can't get more clubby than that, right? And I love it. If, as as a, in the rot Rotary Club, do lots of good to serve humanity. I, I, as part of my role within the club is I get to be in charge of some of the money, how the money's given away. And we've given out lots of money to feed people on the west side of Jacksonville. We've given money to help stop human trafficking in the world and the slave trade. I mean, so lots of good is done through the club. Uh, but again, the club is for members only. And so imagine if I'm in, we're, you're in a club, maybe you're in a club, and, and, and there's a certain ways we know we operate in the club, and somebody who's not a member of the club just decides to come in one day. And so, again, not a super strong dress code in the Rotary Club anymore. You don't have to wear a blue blazer, but still, you're supposed to dress up. But imagine someone, someone came in in a, in a tank top and, and short shorts and flip-flops and just came in and started high-fiving everybody and getting the play and doing, and not following any of the normal rules of the club. Well, everyone would immediately start going, well, who's that person? What are they doing here? You know, start questioning, why are they here? They don't really belong here. And then, and then at some point, someone said, well, someone ought to do something about this. So they'd find whoever's in charge and say, could you talk to that person? And then that person would go over to that and say, excuse me, sir, I'm, you know, I appreciate it. I don't want to offend you, but this, this is for members only. And so we need to ask you to leave. And let me be clear, that would be totally appropriate in a club. If I was in a yacht club, the yacht club has a pool. Imagine that somebody just, who's not a member of the club just starts, comes in, brings, a, brings their whole family, has a six-pack of beer and starts drinking it or whatever, not following any of the club's rules. Someone should go up to that person and say, hey, no, this isn't, you know, this is for members only. You need to leave. Totally appropriate in a club. But the church is not now 
never was or never was intended to be a club. Amen? The church is, is not the, church, the club. The church is quite the opposite of a club. In fact, the church is designed to be the one organization on earth that's actually for those who are not members. You've probably heard that said many times before. The church is the one institution on earth that's specifically designed for those who don't belong to it. And so the church is not for members only. In fact, the members of the church, is our number one priority is to be sent people, to go outside of the church, to reach out to people who don't belong, who are not members of the church, to introduce them to Jesus as their Savior and Lord and bring them into the kingdom of God. The church is not now, never was, or was never intended to be a club. So what happens, and maybe I don't know if this has ever happened here at Grace, uh, but I know it's happened in many churches. If someone, we're a church and the church is, we have certain ways of functioning and behaving and we all know how to do it if we're in the church. And someone who doesn't come to the church, they don't know how we operate. They walk in and they don't look right, dress right, smell right, have the right look. Sometimes people who walk into churches that have, have this wolf of a club attitude, they get what I call the look. right? I'm sure none of you have ever seen that or done that, right? No, all the time. I know people all the time say, I'm not going to church because I go there, I get the look. And they, mm-hmm, what are they doing here? They don't dress right, whatever it is. And so why would anyone want to come to a place where they're going to be, by the number, you might say, oh, we're so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the words might say, we're really glad you're here, but all your nonverbals are saying, you don't belong. You're not part of our club. And that's not the church. That's not the mission of God. That's a wolf. That, again, it's not saying, no one's intentionally being evil or hard-hearted. It's just, it just happens. It looks like sheep. It smells like sheep. It sounds like sheep. But it's a wolf that's distorted the importance of the mission of God, of being the church, being a place where everybody, regardless of who you are, what you, and what you look like and where you come from, is welcome. The church is supposed to be the hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. It's a place where people who don't belong can come and find healing and transformation through the one person who can do it, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's what, this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, we're sent people as Jesus was sent. How did he do it? And my, one of my favorite scriptures on this is Mark chapter 2, 16 and 17, where it says, the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him, Jesus, eating with sinners and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, what is he doing with those people, right? They were given the look. And then he, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, I love this. Jesus says, well, you want to know why I eat with tax collectors and sinners? I'll tell you. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. His whole reason for being sent from leaving heaven to come to earth was to associate with those who don't belong, who are cut off from God in their sin, separated from him and going to hell so that they could find forgiveness of sin, eternal life, a relationship with God, be a part of his community called the church forever. So he intentionally came for those who don't get it. So how do we combat that wolf in the church? How do we combat that attitude from creeping in? Well, the the biggest thing is to have a greater commitment to compassion for lost people than for your own great comfort. In other words, have compassion for those who don't know how to be churchy and do all the church things and say they need to know Jesus and have a greater compassion for them than your own need for having it all the way you know it's supposed to be and like it. 
Another way of saying is have a greater commitment to the great commission than your own great comfort. One of my favorite scriptures about that, I just I stumbled upon this Proverbs at one time and, and it, just, it just made so much sense to me. It's Proverbs 20, uh, excuse me, 14 verse four. And it says, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And without oxen, you can have a real clean stable. In other words, everything can be neat and orderly and nice and, and, and clean and everything's nice. But if you, have, if you choose that, well, then you're not going to have a harvest, which is the mission. You're not going to see people who don't know Jesus coming into the faith. But if you want to have a harvest, if you want to see the church on mission and seeing people who don't know Jesus coming in and being transformed through Christ, you're going to have to deal with a little ox stuff, right? You're going to have to deal with some ox mess. It's going to have to shovel it sometimes because oxes make mess, but you need an ox to have a harvest. Does that make sense? Now, Anglicans, I think as Anglicans, there's something about orderliness and niceness and neatness that we like. We're attracted to all of this, right? And that's not a bad thing. But if you put that over top of the mission, in orderliness and cleanliness or to messiness, you're not going to have a harvest. It's a wolf that you got to watch out for. See, here's the thing. Real mission to lost people is messy. It just is. And so you'll have to deal with that if you want to really live the mission. Uh, one of the examples from, from the Christ Church uh, where I've been, was that nine years ago, we decided to, we, we really wanted to do the mission well. So we decided we need to really be better at reaching out to the lost in, on 103rd Street. And what we were doing wasn't working because we discovered that the people, a lot of the people on 103rd Street were just never going to walk into the church. Because so many of them, their understanding was, I'm a sinner. I know I'm messing up. I know that I'm doing wrong. And why would I go to a church where I'm just going to be told how bad I already know I am? So we said, well, they're not going to walk into the church. So we've got to do something in order to connect with them where they are in order to bring them in. So we, we prayerfully decided to start a recovery program, a, a Christian recovery program, program called Celebrate Recovery, which is designed to help people get healing for hurts, habits, and hangups, not just drugs and alcohol. We're sort of like, uh, let's meet people where, where they are, their needs. So on Friday nights, we, from the day we started, almost every Friday night, people who don't go to church normally walk, in, walk into the church. And I've heard this, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. People walk in they, through the doors, they literally look up at the ceiling and they say, well, the roof didn't fall in on me. <laughs> Almost every time because they think God is mad at me because I'm, I'm a sinner and he wants to punish me. So why would I go to church? So we try to create a space to say, well, just come in the doors and know that you're loved and that you belong here, that you're welcome. And then, and then they say, okay, well, this is great. I didn't know I could be in a church like this. So then all, over and over again, people would say to us, well, what kind of church is this anyway? And we'd say, well, it's Anglican. And they'd say, what's Angelican? Every time. What's Angelican? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. Just come. Services are 9 or 11. We'd love to have you on Sunday morning. So what people started going from Friday night coming into Sunday morning pretty regularly, and it was great. The, the mission's happening. Well, I, the, the problem was, the messiness was, there was lots of messiness, I'll be honest, but the one that I want to talk about today was I, I, I always come, come early and stay late. So I don't know what's happening outside the church, but all of a sudden, pretty quickly, people, members of the church started coming up to say, saying, hey, pastor, all these people are smoking out in front of the doors when people are coming in. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to have to walk through smoke to come to church. And I thought, oh, I didn't think about that, you know, I don't know. And because Friday nights, everyone's smoking and it's just part of the thing in a recovery program. It's just normal. So all those people started coming from Fridays to Sundays and they're smoking because that's what you do at this place. 
So, okay, well, what do we do? So the club attitude would have said, oh, we can't have that. Those people can't come and we need to get rid of the problem. Not to say that church members don't smoke. It's just church members know how to smoke in the car before they get here and eat gum, right? <laughs> they chew gum so nobody knows and then smoke afterwards. So point is, that's, that's how we're, you, know, you know to behave if you're in the church. Well, they didn't know the rules, so they're just smoking out front. So we're like, okay, what do we do? We don't want to run them off because that's the wrong attitude. That's a club attitude, but, but, but we don't want half the people have to walk through smoke because I don't want to walk through smoke either. So what do we do? Well, what we did is we created a, a designated smoking area with shade and tables and ashtrays off to the side, and we hung a sign that said, "'Tis better to smoke in this life than the next." <laughs> Isn't that great? And it's amazing, all sorts of good ministry happens out there and discipleship happens in the smoking area. But, but the point is, so that, yeah, how do you do it? How do you, I don't know, this isn't the way we've always done it, but we gotta figure out ways. If we're really serious about living the mission and not being a club, but being the church, you're gonna have to deal with things like that from time to time. So that's one wolf to watch out for and to keep an eye out for and to guard against creeping into the church. Now, the next, the next and the second uh, and last wolf I want to suggest today is that a wolf to guard against is busyness with church work instead of the work of the church. It's probably not a new, new idea to you at all, but the, the idea of guarding against the busyness of just doing Christianity and doing all the stuff of Christianity instead of actually doing the primary work of Christianity, which is the mission. So what happens, what can happen as Christians? Again, it's a wolf. It sort of looks like a sheep, smells like a sheep, but you don't even know. It's sort of almost, it's, it's, it's sneaky. We're just so go, going along being busy doing Christians. Okay, well, wake up in the morning, do my quiet time, check. Uh, go to my small group Bible study, check. Uh, go uh, meet someone for coffee to talk about, you know, our, our faith, check. Uh, go to church on Sunday, check. Volunteer with the ministry, check. Uh, and you get all this stuff, and you still got your family and work and all these other things to do. So you're so busy just doing the Christian life, that all of a sudden you'd realize there's no mission happening at all. There's no place in my life where I'm actually trying to help people who don't know Jesus come into the, into the faith. It's just, it's, a, it's a, a wolf that sort of creeps in with just busyness. And frankly, the devil would love to see people who are already Christians be busy doing Christianity and seeing nobody else come into the kingdom. We're already saved. There's nothing he can do about that. But if he can keep us so busy doing Christian stuff that no one else gets saved, he's fine with that. It's a wolf we want to guard against. Again, we're sent as Jesus was sent. The first thing, that's the priority is the mission. We should focus on that first and let all the other stuff support the mission. Jesus said when he, when he rose from the dead after Easter, um, he rose from the dead. He met with his disciples in the upper room, John 20, 21. And, and this is the first thing he said to them. He said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. That was the first thing he said. Now, he could have said, make sure you do your quiet time, you know? Make sure you show up for church every Sunday. Those are important things. Make sure you stay in fellowship with, your other, with the other disciples. All of that was important, but the first thing he said was, as I was sent, so I'm sending you. That's the priority. Don't forget the mission because you're so busy doing Christianity. Guard against that wolf. Again, the Great Commission, you probably know it, but in Mark's gospel, is so simply put, Jesus said to them in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We're to go, we're a sent people. Now, the best advice, I want to close with this, the best advice I heard on how to do that, how to be sent and how to go out there uh, is, is very simple. And, and that's to list out the five things you like to do anyway. 
So, so write down, what are the five things that you love to do that you're going to do because you love them? Write those down and then intentionally start doing those five things with non-believers. Intentionally do the things you're going to do anyway, just do them with people who don't know Jesus instead of doing them with, with just Christians because it'll put you in relationships with people who don't know Jesus and over time can build relationships and bring them into the kingdom. For me, it was easy. It was cycling. I love to cycle. There's other things I do uh, as well, but I love to, to ride a bike. But instead of cycling with the cy- Christian cycling group or creating a Christian cycling group, I choose to, to cycle with non-believers. Now, there's Christians I ride with too, but I, I kind of seek out the ones that don't know Jesus and hang out with them. And at one point, for years, I rode with the, the Michelob Ultra beer team. Uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. And so I, I, I still, to this day, often I'm, you can see me out on the road wearing a Michelob Ultra beer jersey, riding down the street. Um, but, but I would ride with these guys for, for years and years and years. And over the course of six years of riding with them, I was able to lead two, two of the guys to Christ uh, for the first time, where they made commitments to Jesus Christ, where they came into his kingdom and have changed forever. Now, two people over six years is no Billy Graham conference, right? But those are two guys who are now in the kingdom of God and going to heaven when they die uh, because I chose to ride with them instead of the Christian Cycling Club. So what can you do? What are those things you're going to do anyway? Just intentionally do them with non-believers so over time can have an opportunity to bring them into the kingdom of God, to live out the mission of God. Let's close with prayer. Father, I pray that you would help each one of us here, Lord, to, to seriously live out this mission, God, that you've given us, given us as Christians. Father, that you would help us to guard against these two wolves and others we didn't have time to talk about today. God, that we would guard against the attitude of becoming a club and keeping out those people, uh, Father, but instead welcoming them in. And Father, also help us to take in, be intentional about going out and, and, and doing the mission of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.